0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Speaking About Speaking, and thank you for joining me, all of you that are out there listening. I'm uh, really looking forward to your comments and your questions, so please get them uh, get them coming in. And with me today, as you can see on the screen, is Gus Bandal. Hi, Gus.
1: Hi, hi. A pleasure to be here.
0: Hi. Oh, lovely to have you here. And you are a LinkedIn guru. I have to say, sure. and a, a marketing <laughs> strategist, but apparently you are also the UK's number one LinkedIn trainer. Correct. That's amazing.
1: Uh, mainly, according to my mum. I should ah. say mainly, I mean, only according to my mum. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I tell people. That's my LinkedIn headline. So.
0: That's, oh, that's perfect, because <laughs> I'm the UK's number one live stream speaking about speaking host, according to my mum. So. Of course,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would agree with it. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Now, we met through, well, I, like strangely, we met through um, being at the Digital Women Live. That's the first time we met mm. in person. I know you through lovely Ella Orr. But to yeah. see you at the Digital Women Conference was quite strange because you were <laughs> the, the only woman. So how did how yeah. did that
1: come about? So... Um, <sighs> It's interesting because I, some time ago, so Lucy Hall, who runs digital women and the events, et cetera, I, you know, she runs all these fantastic events. And I literally just reached out to her and said, uh, you know, can I come along? I appreciate that it's digital women. And uh, she said, yeah, absolutely. Because obviously the the focus of digital women and most kind of women's networking is to empower other women, but that doesn't necessarily mean at the exclusion of men kind of thing. So Lucy said, no, no, every, everyone is welcome. um, As long as you understand that the, the ethos of the event is to make sure that you know we're empowering women and I said yeah I get it because I you know I I learned just as much as anybody else so yeah that was where we first yeah. met so uh, yeah. yeah
0: yeah it was a great yeah. event and there were some fabulous speakers there including uh the lovely Ella Roo, as I mentioned yeah. earlier she was um, yeah and yeah and it really was all about women appearing digitally how the world is changed in the way that we sort of use ourselves on, online and we were having hmm. a brief conversation before we we went live here about how people now since the the lockdown and the pandemic when we were all kind of locked away and doing all this sort of virtual stuff how we present ourselves now online specifically has completely changed hasn't it how, hmm. how have you found that
1: yeah absolutely I mean it, it's um I think it's shifted massively and we you know we can we can point back to the fact that you know personal branding has been around for years and years and years and i think this is why as the most marketers trot out the same analogies which i'm about to as well so for example elon musk has more followers than tesla and richard branson has more followers than virgin and bill gates has more followers than microsoft and it's because they are a personal brand they their faces are more important than the companies that they run and i think um Particularly throughout the pandemic, what we discovered was that we wanted to see the faces behind the brands. Whether it's a small, you know, company of one, one-man band, etc., right up to the, you know, the large conglomerates and global corporations, we want to feel an affinity with people and an, an affinity with a business. And you know, as the old cliche goes, people buy from people. So I think it's really, particularly throughout the pandemic, because we're sitting at home and just scrolling our phones. We want to feel an affinity. We wanted to feel part of something. So we wanted to talk to others and find out who it was. So rather than talking to the brands, we talk to people. And I think it's really um and it's really grown in the past kind of couple of years.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Do you know I had never thought of it that way that you know the the, the people behind the brand have got more followers like Elon Musk and Richard Branson. I mean, yeah. that's incredible actually when you think about it. And yeah. that absolutely perfectly illustrates this fact that you know we kind of have to step outside or in front of our brands, in front of our logos, and and really kind of show up.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, branding is important and particularly, you know, I think it's it's all about that trust factor. You know, we see some, you know, the reason we buy, when we go to the news agent and pick up a can of Coca-Cola, for example, they've spent billions of dollars advertising to make sure that when we go there, we make a split second decision because we trust the brand, we recognize yeah. the colors and, and all that kind of stuff, etc. When there's a person behind the brand, or as you say, in front of the brand, then it becomes even more important, because then we, uh, we feel like we're talking to that person. I know when there's a problem with my Virgin broadband, and I pick up the phone, Richard Branson's not going to answer the phone. But I almost feel him kind of helping and smiling and thinking, yeah, we'll work through this and and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's yeah. really, it's really important for brands to grow behind. Face.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, that's a little bit of of, of what I do as well when I'm when I'm getting people to speak and actually putting together their talks and their what they're going to be doing in front of their audience is standing up there and really putting themselves on the line and kind of saying, This is me, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. this is why I I feel the journey I've been on, the stories that I'm telling of of my experiences are going to validate you sat there listening. So it's all about that personal brand really interacting with the audience that you're, that you're talking to.
1: Mm, Absolutely. I think it's, it's learning the stuff away from google it's the stuff that's not googleable like you can you can google Gus Bandal and it will just say oh you know he does marketing and he does LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff it won't tell you the story or where I've been or what makes me tick or you know why I started a business and all that kind of stuff and that's where the storytelling comes in that's where the personal branding comes in and that's where we get people to buy from people because people feel an affinity with us and our stories
0: yeah absolutely And, and that sort of that personal story kind of brings me on to the second time that we met live, which was at the Failed Nights event uh,
1: down here on the south coast. Yes. Because <laughs> so
0: where are you? You're you Coventry or you're uh, Coventry? You're a... Yes.
1: Yeah. Hashtags of the universe
0: yeah oh yeah no, not quite <laughs> anyway um down here on the south coast and you came down to speak at the failed nights event which mm. isn't it strange because it, it was all about the speakers talking about what what failures they they'd had yeah on their way to their success mm. so why did you feel that that was that was a good a good thing to talk about so it was it
1: was interesting because um so, fail nights happened before the You Are The Media creator day, which was yeah. created by Mark Masters. Um, and I contacted Mark and I said, listen, I'm really busy with work and I kind of, I need to pick, uh, like, you you know, one night. Either I stayed the night before or I stayed the night after. So, I'm going to come down from Coventry, spend, you know, kind of a, a couple of days, one night in pool. And he said, well, why don't you come the night before? And... There's going to be an event called Fail nights, et cetera. And I said, oh, that sounds fabulous. And he said, I'll tell you what, why don't you, let's kind of get you on the roster as well. Um, And I thought that was great. And, uh, you know, but then he said, you've only got 10 minutes to talk. And I said, I've got so many failures, you know, I, you know, I, could, I could talk for a couple of hours, to be honest. But it was, um I, I think, demonstrating... So it's failures is, is an interesting word because it almost sounds negative. But actually... All of our little failures and our issues and the things, our trials and tribulations that we've been through in life have got us to where we are today. And everything that I've ever done and everything that I've ever failed in or succeeded in, et cetera, has led me to this moment to talk to you live, online, kind of thing, for example. So it's it's all these little steps that help us to get through life kind of thing. So, I yeah, I loved that event. I could have spoke for a lot longer about my uh, life's failures to be honest yeah
0: then. well but, i've yeah, been, yeah i've learned that um there is no failure only feedback
1: yeah it's, absolutely yeah exactly yeah so yeah. uh, you, you either you either win or you learn i think is the other yeah
0: kind of... absolutely so give us it give us a little bit of that flavor of some of the failures that you feel have really benefited you today and the and those sort of experiences and stories that you that you use when you're speaking to actually mm-hmm. kind of uh illustrate what
1: it is and um
0: why you do what you do.
1: Uh, absolutely. So th- the the end goal as it were. So where I am now is that I'm a marketer and for me as arrogant as it sounds marketing comes second nature. I love marketing and I love kind of um helping others with marketing marketing whether it's kind of creative marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, etc. all that kind of stuff. Um but it took me a while to get to the point of marketing and you know, I as you know, this is, so the story is that the um, my very first career choice was I wanted to be a fireman, and my careers advisor has said. Uh, Just so you know, turbans are flammable. You know, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, and you kind of think, oh yeah, that's that's a good point. And it kind of went on. So I wanted to be a French football commentator, but I failed French. I wanted to be a lawyer, but I failed history. I wanted to be a psychologist, and then they started dissecting brains. And I thought, you know, forget all this. And um, I did sociology for a little while. And actually, there's no there's no wrong answer in sociology. So it's very it was that was very strange. So um, and after trying every other career and every other educational path i there wasn't much left in the university prospectus and marketing was left i thought i'll give this a go um and i just i took to it like a a duck to water basically so um that was back in 1996 and i've been in marketing ever since basically so it's all these little things that i wanted to do and thought i wanted to do and thought you know what my career path would be there's all these little things that i failed at but at the time they seem failures, but obviously as we know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So we look back and say, well, actually, if those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm I couldn't be happier with where I am today. So it's you know, I think it's important.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with that, because I wouldn't be where I am today <laughs> without yeah. lots of lots of different things happening, including including lockdown, you know, without mm. the, the pandemic and without being being thrust into uh the the online world, which I'd never really been part of before because I'd always mm. worked in venues, I was teaching drama, basically, was what I was doing. I was teaching voice and right. doing workshops around that. So I was always with mm. people in a space. So when it when it, we all went online, it opened up a huge world to me that I yeah. didn't know was there, really, you know, talking mm. to business people, which I was only doing because I was trying to promote myself as a creative person. I didn't, you know, the, the whole public speaking thing hadn't even come about then. Mm. Um, but you know, talking to people in breakout rooms, realize that actually, we all speak. You know, you wherever you speak, you're a speaker. So yeah. you know, especially if you're if you're speaking for your business. So, mm. do you think though, in, there's something of the marketer in everything that you do? Because sometimes I, I I talk to people for my podcast, and it seems to me that whatever you wanted to be, like you wanted to be a fireman. Mm but whatever you wanted to be when you were sort of that that kind of age somehow you there's something in that that you will end up doing anyway you know yeah. you can't you can't veer off that path too far mm. no matter what uh, you think you end up coming back to it somehow
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, arguably, we could say that I fight fires now, and I help kind of, you know, but not, you know, okay. metaphorical <laughs> fires, of course. Um, uh, you know, but it's it's the um, it's the desire to help people. So, yes, I'm not a hero like a fireman, but I help people with their marketing, or I help people fight fires with their marketing in terms of, you know, getting themselves out there. And as as we've already alluded to, particularly marketing has always been around but particularly in a in the pandemic we realized that digital marketing and being online was so important and if you weren't part of that world all of a sudden you were left behind so you had to either embrace it or completely change tech or pivot as everybody kind of said at the time so Mm. um I think there's there's always an element of whatever we want to do when we were younger kind of there's something in there kind of you know there's something to be Uh, said to be helping others so obviously I wanted to help others as a firefighter I wanted to be a lawyer to help others I wanted to be um, an occupational psychologist is what I wanted which was helping kind of businesses with uh, kind of you know with marketing etc which actually I eventually fell into so I think there's always that element of trying to support others Um, and that's kind of yeah that's where my career the, throughout the failures that's kind of what uh, what was the key kind of message throughout i always wanted to help people
0: yeah yeah and what which makes perfect sense doesn't it it? is mm. you know whatever whatever that that thing is it kind of transcends everything that sort of it, it, we're kind of pushed in all sorts of different directions but it's, mm. it, it you we always sort of come back to that yeah so um well let me just see if there's anybody out there that has any questions anybody listening in linkedin land or facebook world. Or on YouTube, then please do uh, stick a, a comment in if you've got a comment for myself or for Gus or a question you'd like to ask. Because Gus, you are known as uh, the LinkedIn, the LinkedIn specialist, the LinkedIn guru, and yeah. the M in your your uh, ha- your hashtag your at M Guru mm-hmm. there. So you you obviously are a a social media guru, but the link LinkedIn is is your thing. How did you come to LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, so it's um, it's so I've always done marketing, and I've kind of studied marketing, and I've got numerous kind of postgraduate qualifications, got loads of letters after my name, and all that kind of stuff. And actually, the LinkedIn stuff came from, um, so it started with social media because, so, after a long and illustrious marketing career, I decided to run my local pub for a little while, which, to be yeah. honest, was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but. Yeah that's where i really learned about social media because without using social media i wouldn't get bombs on seats It's it's as simple as that and actually then i thought oh i could do this for other businesses hence i started my own agency now the linkedin element came around because um i just i used to spend all day every day on it it's where i used to get clients it's where i kind of found clients found my tribe found my community and all that kind of stuff um and then i joined uh, a membership called the inner hub which is run by two ladies called laura so their company is called the two lauras um and they kind of they pushed me they not necessarily pushed me but they you know whenever anybody had a linkedin question they would push people to me kind of thing so i would obviously answer those questions and i realized that i knew a lot more than actually i thought i did kind of thing and actually that's where the linkedin bit came because all of my linkedin teaching comes from the fact that i've implemented things myself kind of thing. So I don't sure I read books or listen to other specialists and all that kind of stuff but actually I can teach others about what I've learned myself. So I can I have proof, I have numbers, I have stats and all the rest of it that I can then help to deliver work to other people. So that's kind of where that came from.
0: Brilliant. And um, we actually have a question here. Let me put this on. I haven't read it. So I'm going to put it straight on the screen. This is from Anna. Hello Anna. Thank you for listening, watching. Uh, and you're in LinkedIn land, which is lovely. Uh, I struggle with LinkedIn, because I feel it's very corporate and doesn't lend to being outside of that. What do you think?
1: Uh, I can understand why people think that. And unfortunately, people still do think that, And uh, you know, and obviously, there's lots of people that say, you know, they'll write things like, oh, this is on Facebook, or, you know, whatever, etc. But one of the things because obviously what you do jackie is help people with for example their personal brand and their storytelling and making sure that um they get their you know the word out there and i think that's where linkedin comes in as well it's about us telling a story to make sure that people buy from us as opposed to somebody else so you could go to google tomorrow and type speaking coach or linkedin specialist or social media manager or whatever it may be and there's a million pages there's millions of people out there but where we transcend all of that is when we get people to know us and know our story so actually yes there are elements of LinkedIn that is very corporate but actually it's where we tell stories it's where we get people to know us and where we where we become the first port of call for people so when people think of social media or LinkedIn or Terry's chocolate oranges they think of me you know, kind of thing, because that's what I talk about. And that's what I write about, etc. Um, in 2022, for example, my three most popular posts, number one was the time I met Stephen Barlet. Number two was a testimonial I received. And number three was all about cheese and onion crisp sandwiches. And that was my third most popular post of 2022. And it was the most inane, most ridiculous post. But it got people talking because it resonated with them. Yeah. Some people said, Oh, you should try butter. Somebody else said, Try mayonnaise. Somebody else said, put salt and vinegar crisps in there. Those people that said salt and vinegar crisps, I blogged them. That's because that's just totally wrong. But cheese and onion crisp sandwiches obviously it resonated with people. So I think telling stories is where we separate ourselves from the Google ability of a billion pages, I think.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you on cheese and onion. Definitely. I love crisp sandwiches. I love them. Thank you, Anna. That was a great question. Really, really, really good. Got another one here from uh, Simon Raybold, who's a previous guest. Uh, I've heard people say LinkedIn are going to really go big on X in the next Y months, typically video or some such. How do they know? I thought the algorithm for sharing was top secret.
1: The, uh, no, that's a great question, Simon. I think... The there are always clues. There's always social media clues. And obviously right now we live in a world where, so because of thanks to the pandemic, TikTok absolutely blew up. We had Mark Zuckerberg, which he, Mark Zuckerberg wanted to buy Snapchat and then they said no. So he decided to buy Instagram to try and run them out of town. He copied all of Snapchat's kind of uh, ideas, more or less. I mean, that's not slander. That's, you know, he'll admit that himself. Um, and now Instagram reels, TikTok videos, et cetera. So, there's always clues on other social media platforms that will help us make decisions on current platforms. So it's like, well, everybody else is going towards video. So we should do that as well kind of thing. And obviously we know with LinkedIn, there was like the stories feature kind of failed and uh, same on Twitter, for example, et cetera. So there's, we can make predictions, but we never know where we're going to go in the future. But the important thing is in the here and now, LinkedIn is still the stalwart, still the kind of the, the godfather of social media kind of thing. Every other social media platform has gone through a number of iterations, whereas LinkedIn, I think, is still, you know, sure, the, the content has changed, but the actual premise of the platform hasn't. And I think mm. we can use past performance to inform future strategy. So, sure, we can say, yeah, we should do videos or we should do short form content or we should start creating documents or polls or newsletters. And sure, we get all that. But generally, it's about us building up our personal brands, getting people to know us and separating ourselves from the competition. And I don't think that has ever changed on LinkedIn and I don't think it ever will.
0: No, but I do wonder whether the we are at the mercy of the algorithm, that no matter what we put out there, it will be the algorithm that decides what... And how much we get seen
1: do you think yeah absolutely to a certain extent and you know as as with any beast you feed it it grows and i think with linkedin if you use it in the way that linkedin wants you to use it then it will grow you know there was a time when polls were heavily pushed at the moment newsletters are heavily pushed um video is doing okay but not as well as it should do you know etc etc but it's as long as you are on the platform creating content and doing what linkedin wants you to do in terms of engage with others uh kind of become creators so in terms of setting up newsletters or videos or creating content articles etc um as long as you are feeding the beast i think the algorithm will for want of a better phrase look after you and i think that's the thing but that applies to all social media you know quite frankly if you stop using social media the algorithm will think that you've disappeared and then it you know you have to build it back up and all that kind of
0: stuff yeah yeah, it, it baffles me. I
1: really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, just uh, d- my only advice is always be yourself and just, you know, um, treat LinkedIn like a massive networking space. So have conversations, talk to others, treat others like you would treat them in real life, have those real time conversations. And I think everything kind of grows from there. When you start trying to be too formulaic or too salesy or too to try to be something you're not. It, it becomes incredibly obvious and apparent and kind of so yeah.
0: yeah. I think d- so I think that's that's a brilliant analogy looking at it as a as a sort of in-person networking space I think is, mm. is a really good way because you don't just stand and talk to somebody in a networking space about your business you talk to them about crisp sandwiches and yeah so and and maybe that's a way that uh going back to Anna's question we can make it less corporate less formal mm-hmm. and actually be a space where we we build relationships and we build
1: trust yeah absolutely I mean there's no don't get me wrong we at some point we have to sell we have to tell people what we do for a living but yeah. if that's the only thing you you have done you haven't built up the the cliche of the no like trust factor and it's the moment you have to get people to the trust factor and they get there by knowing that you'd like cheese nunny and, and crisp sandwiches or what car you drive or where you live or, you know, et cetera, or the fact that you've had lots of failures or you wanted to be a fireman or and all this other kind of stuff. Cause I think the, it's those stories that separate us from the crowd. Anybody can say I'm a LinkedIn trainer, but not everybody can say, they're good or they're they're the best or they've you know they've learned yeah. stuff through implementing etc so yeah. it's it's about separating ourselves by telling yeah. those stories
0: yeah I always say that we are our unique selling point because you mm. know there may be thousands of people do what we do but only one has does it our way or has gotten to there because of what we've experienced mm. so yeah we're all at our own unique selling point so thank you for that that's great I'm just I'm gonna. I'm going to go, uh, Liam, I'm going to come back to your question because I think that's going to take us off on another direction. But just before we do that, Anna's got one more question and it's followers or connections?
1: Always connections. Always.
0: Always connections.
1: Now, I, so... We're talking about LinkedIn here specifically, but, uh, you know, anywhere connections are always better. But on LinkedIn, one of the issues we have with LinkedIn is that a lot of people have set up what they call creator mode and creator mode helps you to create content. For example, newsletters and articles and going live and setting up audio rooms and all that kind of stuff. Now, one of the byproducts of setting up creator mode is that the connect button changes to a follow button. And me personally, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the follow button. As much as I, you know, I'm not Martin Luther King, I'm not Gandhi, I'm not, you know, I don't know, Barack Obama. I don't need millions of followers. What I want is uh, a community of people that I can have two way conversations with. Um, So I prefer people to connect with me. And if we, again, if we see LinkedIn like a networking site, you wouldn't walk into a networking room, hand out your business card, tell everybody what you do, and walk straight out, kind of thing. There's no point in having millions of followers. It's about having those two-way conversations. And that's where the trust factor grows. That's where our personal brand grows. That's where our story storytelling techniques grow. So um always connections. That's that's That'd my be
0: Lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you, Anna, again. Uh, now on to Liam. I like this question from Liam. Uh, you seemed very comfortable on stage when I saw you speak at Matt's failed nights event. Were you confident when you first started public speaking or did this develop over time?
1: Uh, over time. Liam, thank you so much. That's that's a very kind thing to say. I um, the, My first big speaking gig. So, um a couple of years ago, there was 300 people in a room. I was asked by the Federation of Small Businesses, the FSB, to, to speak to a room full of people at, a, at an event. And I was the, clo- I was the day's kind of last speaker. So I was like the closing speaker. So I don't know why they put me on that pedestal. And it, was, and it was really like I spent all day preparing. Like I didn't, I had a few notes, but there was no kind of presentation, no slides, no nothing. And literally about 10 seconds before they called my name to go on the stage, I lost my breath and I couldn't, I couldn't catch my breath. And it was very, it was a very weird feeling. And it was, um, when I got to the stage, I really, you know, I took a couple of sips of water. I really had to kind of, um, kind of almost ground myself on the stage before I started talking. It was very, yeah, it was very interesting. And in those early days, yeah. It, so to, to answer Liam's question, it, it it's come with time kind of thing. And I think it comes with a uh, a depth of knowledge of what I do for a living. And I know that I can prove everything I say, if you know what I mean. So I don't, I don't make things up. I don't just kind of say things for the sake of it. I'm not kind of overly contentious for the, you know, for, for the sake of uh, kind of audience applause. I'm there to, to do a job. And somebody's asked me to speak for a, you know, on a particular subject because they think I'm good at that subject. So I'll make sure I prepare well in advance. And I think one of the things that has changed over time is that I spend more time preparing. I never used to, because I used to think, oh, I, I know this subject. I'll just go on and start talking kind of thing. And then actually you end up <laughs> probably like now you end up start, you know, you start waffling. And so I, I prepare my talks well in advance and make sure that I time them and I know exactly where the pauses are and, and all that kind of stuff. And I know what I'm talking about and I know the reader journey or the audience journey and where I'm taking them and all that kind of stuff. So better preparation has helped me to be a better speaker. Well, thanks. (laughs) You have
0: just, you've just ticked every box that obviously as a speaker coach, that's exactly Mm. what I, so you've, you've done the believe because if you don't believe what you're saying, then nobody else will. So that's where Mm. you you have a belief in every single uh, point you're putting across, everything you're putting out there, you know, is it's Mm. as far as you know, the absolute truth, Uh, and then breathe, always, Mm. always, always prepare with some breathing. Because, Mm. you know, if you run out of breath, speech is breath so if you haven't got your breath then you then you've lost it already Mm. and be prepared so those are my three b's believe breathe and be prepared ah fabulous yeah there you
1: go. yeah so So So, it's um it's i went to a i went to an event in in london uh last year and there was a number of speakers and you can tell you could easily tell the professional speakers from the speakers that are there because quite frankly they've paid some money or they've sponsored the event or something like that kind of thing and the people that weren't prepared are the people that couldn't breathe they kind of they they sounded out of breath which meant that they just their points weren't coming across etc and then they were kind of rushing through things and all that kind of stuff so for i'm definitely not a professional speaker but what i do is i mean the analogy not the analogy but the acronym of the three b's that's exactly kind of what i've learned to do over time because Mm -hmm. the the first few times i could yeah i I completely failed i fell i fell down kind of thing yeah um, oh that's great well that just
0: very we've got a couple of minutes left i can't believe this this half an hour has gone so fast That's
1: quickly yeah yeah it's
0: gone quickly um so tell me then in your uh in your world what makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck?
1: Um, so when I talk about good speakers or when I, when I try and emulate others or when I look at, when I listen to people and I think they're great, I look at people like, this is going to sound like terrible, but I, I look at people like Bob Monkhouse, Dave oh. Allen, Ramesh Ranganathan, you know, um, Jack D. These people can hold audiences by telling stories. And we all remember, well, some of us may remember the the two ronnie's and ronnie corbett he used to have a moment his soliloquy where he just used to sit on a chair and tell a long Mm. story which ended Mm. in a joke and all that kind of stuff just him and a chair and a spotlight nothing else and it's that um i think what makes a great speaker is somebody who kind of tells a story from start to finish there's the here's the question here's the bit that I know here's the kind of the conclusion and the answer and the here are the next steps kind of thing and I think it's that it's the storytelling journey of here's the problem here's how I provide the solution and here's the kind of the next steps if you know what I mean so I think it's the it's the ability to hold an audience by telling a story um one of my favorite speakers is a guy called Andrew Davis who uh, he's an american marketer the guy with the orange glasses Yeah, i don't, um, I don't love him just cuz he has orange glasses by the way <laughs> but he's a uh, he's probably my favorite marketer now and my favorite speaker and yeah it's that it's that storytelling technique that i love that uh, that really holds an audience
0: yeah and so a bad speaker what what makes a bad speaker suck then
1: um Uh, Either focusing on sales, not focusing on a conclusion, uh, not being prepared, not having the right ideas um, uh, to kind of up and down peaks and troughs too much all over the place and all that kind of stuff. And I think they're really a good speaker has to be very linear in their delivery in terms of the story that they're telling there has to you know it's why we read novels it's why we read books it's why we sit through box sets on netflix and all that kind of stuff is because there's a story to be told and if it was too disparate and too all over the place and yeah etc then it kind of you know you eventually the audience eventually switches off yes
0: oh well thank you for that that was brilliant brilliant brilliant, no, brilliant. No we have come to My... the end of our time but we just we have look look who finally showed up <sighs>
1: Ella, yeah, <laughs> one of our favourites though. So yeah, we'll we'll forgive you, Ella, we'll only because you're so you. wonderful.
0: Yeah, we'll forgive <laughs> you. Uh, and then we have a, a LinkedIn user who says this was really interesting. Thanks, yeah, uh, thanks. Liam says I love Ronnie Corbett's mon- monologues. Probably a bit strange for a seven year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon says Drew, heck of a chap. You'd not believe yeah. how much prep he puts in. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and Ella says, "Love that answer, Gus, about holding an audience with a story from beginning to end, mm. from uh, middle <laughs> to end as well." brilliant mm. uh well i'm going to put up this this is your your website so anybody wants to find out more about the m guru uh, which is you then then go there and find out but thank mm. you so much for being here gus it's been a, a really really interesting and very uh in, informative half an hour so mm. thank you for that
1: it has been no thank you for for having me yeah it's been a real pleasure yeah so, you're
0: more than welcome you. and everybody out there listening thank you for being here for us it's been yeah. uh, lovely to have all your interaction mm. if you're watching on the replay and you would like to ask a question or make a comment, then do. And if you have a question for Gus or myself, then we will we'll endeavour to get back to you. So if you I'll answer it, it yeah, absolutely. Ask yeah, me
1: we'll, anything. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're gonna ask me for a kind of a three-year marketing strategy that you know, I'll fight for that stuff. But uh, yeah, but any other question, I'm happy to answer. Fabulous. Excellent. Well,
0: yeah. goodbye, everybody. And I'm taking a, a two week break. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And uh and I look forward to seeing you then. So thanks very much. Excellent. and goodbye. Thank you.